So for my English project, I decided to look at the artist Tyler Childers, not Childers. Uh, believe me, I've pronounced it wrong a thousand times trying to make this podcast. Um, I was initially drawn to him because of his almost different sounding country. It's a lot slower and more bluegrassy. I don't know if you could use that. And it's got pretty much a general melancholy vibe to it. And I really wanted to learn more about him, his message, his background, um, all of those things. So I'm going to be going into that in this podcast. Tyler was born on June 21st, 1991 in the small county of Lawrence, Kentucky. His father was a coal miner and his mother was a nurse. He has regularly said that his first interactions with music came from singing southern hymns at Sunday school and church. He said at the time he could have thought of a million different ways to spend the time better, but now looks back at the times as an overall positive experience. Tyler got his first guitar at the age of five from his grandfather. He says his grandfather's buddy taught him his first chord to G, C, and D, and his love for music began growing from there. He says he wrote his first full song at the age of 13, and he says it was a quote-unquote total rip-off of Tangled Up in the Blue. David Prince, a former music teacher of Tyler's, remembers him quite fondly. He says that he stood out from the normal pack of kids. He wrote songs that were pretty good for a 14-year-old kid, and he could see the potential of a country singer in him. He remembers a time on a school field trip where he quote-unquote ran around with a guitar singing Johnny Cash, and they had to tell him to stop drinking coffee so he didn't stay up late and continue writing songs. Besides staying up late to write songs, Tyler was pretty much a good all-around student. We don't know much, to be honest with you, of his childhood, and that's to be expected coming from such a small isolated town in Kentucky. Uh, he went to college, though, in Western Kentucky University, but eventually dropped out. Uh, wasn't really his thing, I guess. Um, from there, he began working odd jobs and building a following in Kentucky and West Virginia by playing uh, local bars under the age of 21. Um, most importantly, though, he began recording his first studio album, um, Bottles and Bibles, which he released in 2011. He recorded it in his friend's backyard studio. Bottles and Bibles was around 13 tracks long, um, and essentially it was about the struggles and hardships of people from West Virginia and rural Kentucky and those areas. One of my favorite songs is called Coal. It's not really a great song, but you can tell it means a lot. Uh, if, essentially, if you don't know, um, a large majority of the occupations in those areas belongs to coal mining, and uh, these people, they pretty much work and destroy their bodies, get black lung and things like that for virtually no pay, while these big companies profit off them, and recently it's been declining, um, which brings its own areas of problem with uh, economic downturn and things like that. So, so as one can assume, Bottles and Bibles wasn't really anything groundbreaking for Tyler. It was received well by his inner community and friends, but that's really about it. He wasn't really at a point in time in his career where he could really venture off as a solo artist. If I haven't mentioned before, Tyler was part of this band called The Food Stamps. Pretty much, I'm pretty sure, after high school on. He still plays with them. I'm pretty sure it's his band occasionally. But 
in 2013 and 14, he actually got a chance to go on Red Barn Radio, um, which is a basically country music live radio set. It was an actually an accident. The first time he made it on, he was filling in for someone who was sick. And from there, he created two live EPs, Red Barn Radio 1 and 2, um, through, through 2013 and 14. The project on Spotify is about eight songs long. Also, it says it was posted in 2019 or something. It was created in 2013. There are a lot of songs on YouTube that you can also not find on the Spotify page or Apple Music page, like Harlan's Road, 22nd Winter Street, I'm pretty sure was off of that EP, and things like that. One of my favorite, though, is Dead Man's Curve, which I will explain briefly. The song Dead Man's Curve is a song about Tyler being in this relationship with this girl and how it's great and a lot of fun at first until he realizes that she has a problem with addiction and uh, fails to take responsibility for her actions and addiction. In general, the reference Dead Man's Curve is referencing a road that has a lot of car accidents on, often with a very steep curve or slope. I'll play a segment here. Personally, I thought it would just help to show a little bit of Tyler's music to help you understand what I'm talking about, um, just because I've been talking for about five minutes and uh, not a single bit of his music has been played. Um, also, in the song, he's talking about, you can go to hell, my dear. You'd probably like it better there with all them boys who thought they could make it. Dead Man's Curve going to lay him down. Uh, personally, from what I understand, I think he's talking about her addiction. And the Dead Man's Curve is her addiction and all those guys that have been pursuing her um, are going to end up being frustrated and um, angry like Tyler did. So after Tyler helped produce live on Red Barn Radio 1 and 2... He gains a little bit more momentum, but nothing groundbreaking or earth-shattering. Uh, one of the more important things that happens is he ends up in Nashville, and he ends up meeting this country artist, Sturgill Simpson, who's won a Grammy. Uh, it was really weird how they met, actually. They met at a bingo hall. Apparently, Tyler likes to go there to be like left alone and not noticed. It's an older demographic, so it's much more his vibe. Uh, they ended up exchanging demos, pretty much anything Tyler was working on. He sent him White House Road and Bottles and Bibles. And Sturgill ended up actually really liking it. And he ends up help co-produce Purgatory's 2017 album with Tyler. Sturgill also helped him pick the band that he would use for his breakout album, Purgatory. He did that by listening to pretty much every single one of his songs, uh, Tyler's songs. And, uh figure out what he needed most and the best musicians that he he had either worked with or Tyler had either worked with in the past and created this giant collective of musicians. Also, another thing to note is that Tyler's catalog is probably much bigger than what is actually produced. If you uh, 
listen to some of his live shows that have been recorded on YouTube, you can see that he has a lot of songs that aren't like what you would find on his Spotify page. Personally, one of my favorite is Jersey Giant. You can find it on SoundCloud. Also, he plays another song on his Tiny Desk concert called 22nd Winter. Uh, it's also another really good song. Mr. Simpson, as Tyler calls him, even went as far as to let him borrow one of his own band members, his drummer, and created a connection at the butcher's shop, the recording studio that Mr. Simpson had used to produce his first Grammy-nominated album. So you could kind of see how leading up to it, it was going to be some of the most produced and finished works Tyler had created yet. Believe it or not, the meaning behind the album Purgatory doesn't really only lie in the fact that one of the songs is named Purgatory. Tyler describes it as being a collection of songs in a point in his life after leaving high school um, and leaving his parents' house where he was lost, so to speak. Um, he says it was a point in time where he was working odd jobs, sleeping on couches. Um, basically, what I gather from it is not really having a place to call home or people to really confide in at that point in time. Also, the drawing or the album cover is a drawing of a agate mineral. Not 100% on the pronunciation, but I'm pretty sure I nailed it. Um, they are naturally occurring in Kentucky, especially east along the West Virginia border where Tyler is from. The album is about 10 tracks long, starting off with Iceberg. To God, Feathered Indians Tattooed, Tattoos, Born Again, White House Road, Branded Colvis, Purgatory, Honky Tonk Flame, Universal Sound, and Lady May. I'm going to probably try to look at Feathered Indians, Lady May, uh, just because it's an important song to him. And then if I have time, White House Road. If not, it'll probably be in the next episode. But yeah. Track number two, Feathered Indians, which is by far one of my favorite songs by Tyler Childers um, in general. First off, the name is referencing Feathered Indians, which is something that people would call little down feathers that fly out of comforters or pillows um, when they've been tussled, hence the name Little Feathered Indians. He also ties it to several other things um, in the song, so... I'll play the start of it here and start to analyze it. Well, my buckle makes impressions on the inside of her. From the first 30 seconds, the listener can kind of tell this is pretty much a traditional country Americana love song. Um, quick thing, I don't know why they started calling traditional country Americana or Southern Americana. Tyler, when I was doing my research, was labeled that a lot. But traditional country uh, comes from Southern gospel and Southern hymns. And I don't think I mentioned that. But Tyler also encountered that a lot. I did mention this. Tyler also encountered that a lot in Sunday school and church. Um, also, Little Feathered Indians, you see the reference in the first 
couple seconds of the song. And the belt buckle, I don't know why it's so important, but uh, from articles, I did see that it's apparently a red man's belt buckle, which is pretty cool if you want to go look that up. If I'd known she was religious, then I wouldn't have came stoned to the house of such an angel who fucked up to get back next few seconds of this song that you guys just heard, Tyler hints at the fact that this girl's really deeply religious. Um, it's probably why they spend so much time tossing and turning in the bed, creating feathered Indians. A little uncomfortable to talk about, but also something to note is that later in this album, Tyler talks about this song called Purgatory and how it's about this... <laughs> time in his life where this 24-year-old girl um, breaks up with him. He was 19 at the time. She was from Ohio and how she was very Catholic. Um, so I don't know if the two were connected, maybe, but something to think about. Looking over West Virginia, smoking spirits on the roof. Asked, ain't anybody told you that them things are bad for you? I said, many folks aboard me. There's been several people try, but up till now, there ain't been nothing that I couldn't leave behind. Uh, quick note sorry for the cutting back and forth, it's probably really rough. Um, I can't really find a way to fade the music in and out. If you do know, please tell me. Uh, but in these last 30 seconds, Tyler talks about addiction and basically uses it as a way to tell this girl how much he cares for her. Addiction does seem to be a prevalent theme in Tyler's music all the way back from Bottles and Bibles in 2011 up to Long Violent History. He even talks about it. And you might ask me, how does someone talk about addiction on a acoustic album? Well, he did this PR stunt to release it and he talked about his struggle with uh, being an alcoholic. There's not much on um, interviews or any articles, really. I just have a tweet that basically talks about um, him being on tour and wanting to drink bourbon. That's literally all it that I found for Tyler Childers and his struggle with alcoholism. It does make sense that Tyler talks about it. Um, he even has a song later on this album called Brandis Colvis which talks about these two guys looking for treasure and they find an Indian arrowhead and one of them actually ends up killing the other one to be able to pay for his pills. Uh, pretty brutal stuff. But it does make sense that it is in his music a lot because the areas that he grew up in really struggle with the opioid amidemic and uh, other addiction issues. Two 
other things, you can notice how the music uh, slowly progresses and gets louder and louder over his voice as his claims get deeper and deeper to this girl. Also, this is kind of pretty much one of the only songs that I think Tyler has made where the violin is really prominent. Um, usually it's just him. If you look at his live shows, just him and his guitar up on the stage, which is, uh, in my, my in my point of view, like pretty amazing that someone can create like such developed and good sounding music from just their guitar and their voice. Circles it has raised like a little feathered engine calling out the clouds for rain. So in this verse, the words feathered Indian take on a different meaning, and that is a literal meaning. Um, he's talking about his heart pounding so fast, like uh, a Native American who is running in circles as part of it, a rain dance. If you haven't learned about those, it's a traditional dance passed down through generations. Um, calling out to the rain and or sometimes the wind, depending on the tribe, uh, from what I've researched. Um, so I thought it was really interesting that the words feathered Indian could take on so many different meetings in one singular song. Another observation that I made uh, while I'm moving off feathered Indians, just because of the amount of time that I have, is that his two most popular songs are also the two most instrument-backed songs. Usually with Tyler, it's just straight up him with a guitar and his voice, which is pretty incredible by itself, but Feathered Indians in this case has um, the violin and a lot of solos towards the end. Another instrument that you don't usually see in Tyler's music a lot, um, and in All Yorn, the piano, another instrument that you don't really see a lot in Tyler's music. And with that, I'm gonna switch over to his third song, Tattoos, and I'm gonna play it right here. I'm now the one she left A haunted tale for someone else A little bit about herself Wherever she's sleeping Flint strikes out to pierce the dark Cause a flame from just one spark Fill the room with smoke so harsh She exhales a memory The past is fading Over time But it's still hanging Obviously, what you can gather from this song is that a girl's broken up with Tyler recently. Um, also, mind the track order, um, how it went from Feathered Indians to song number two to Tattoos, assuming that he broke up with the same girl from Feathered Indians. I don't know. It's just a track order. Just noting that. Um, also, the song is called Tattoos, and we can assume that Tyler got a tattoo of this girl's name on his body. He actually explained before singing the song in one of his concerts that his mother was actually very against the idea of ever getting a name tattooed on his body. 
and he said, well, we see how that turned out. Um, you can also see from the lyrics that he's saying that the past is fading, but it's still hanging on for life. Talking about that tattoo, that how his memories are fading, but that tattoo is still clear as day on his body. I wish I had more time to touch on tattoos, but I'm running out of the allowed time. I'm already over 20 minutes, but I really want to touch quickly on Tyler's message. I hope to get farther into it in the second podcast, but essentially Tyler's message is to tell stories from Appalachian life in the area. Personally, I feel like a lot of people forget about the, that area of our country and completely forget about it when they think of America. Um, also, I feel like if you can tell a story, you can connect with someone and kind of forget the preconceived uh, prejudices of people from that area and really get to connect with uh, part of our culture.